We're in the middle of this 40 days of growth and transformation, and here's what I know. So many people are taking their next steps, making decisions for Jesus, getting dumped, getting baptized. But what I also know, anytime we're in a season of moving forward, is that there is always a good group of people that are in pain, that are struggling, that are saying, man, I want to move forward, but I've got this challenge in my life or this broken relationship or this financial crisis. And that is so the, the kingdom of God. And, and this morning, I want to speak to you and, and just feel it so strongly and been impacted so much by the, the, the story I've been studying this week. I want to speak to you from the topic my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. My spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak because the great news about the Christian faith is it's not to be done in your own strength, but in the power of God. This week I was supposed to travel out of state for some work, and I, I actually started questioning, man, am I gone too much? I had to be gone uh, the week before last in New Mexico for several days, doing some work down there, speaking in our church and meeting with some different teams. And so it was coming up again this week. And just to be honest with you, it had been a little harder week in our, in our family, at our house. And so, you know, just wondering, is that really best for me to be away from the kids for three more nights? And so I started praying like, Lord, would you just lead me? Would you speak to me? And, um, I had something happen that I haven't had before. I get this email because I'm flying out of state and I have this email and it says, you've been upgraded to business class. And I was like, Lord, that's your answer for me. Yes, I will take that. And so I'm all excited because I'm like, how did this happen? You know, I, I, I've never had this happen. And, um, and, and, and then I start getting these text alerts uh, the, the day of my flight and it's your, your plane has been uh, delayed. Your plane has been delayed 30 minutes. Your plane has been delayed an hour. Your plane, and I'm thinking, oh no. And, and then I get a, f a final text that says, your plane is canceled. We've rebooked you. Uh, and I'm looking at my flight and I'm like, I'm gonna have to leave my house at 4.55 a.m. And then it says, we regret to inform you that your upgrade is no longer happening. <laughs> and, and then if you know me, like I, I get a, uh, Another baptism on the front row. We celebrate with you. Um, we, we dunk and sprinkle in this church. Uh, <laughs> even, you might not even know you're getting baptized. Um, but not only do I have business class now, I don't even have an aisle seat. So I'm, I'm, all, I'm all freaking out. And I'm thinking, oh, no, and now I've got to leave at, at 455 a.m. And, and um, I'm like, Lord, my bottom line is my flesh is crying out because uh, I like evening flights and I like, uh, I like to have leg room and I, I certainly don't like to not have an aisle seat. And so, so I'm, you know, I was going to have Stephanie drive me to the airport. Now I can't do that because she's got to get the kids ready for school. And so I'm like, now I'm going to have to ride with a stranger. So Anyway, I have, this, I have this little conversation with the Lord, and I'm like, Lord, if I'm going to have to be this uncomfortable and everything's going to be turned around and, and I'm going to have to leave, Lord, would you just please, just please line up some divine appointments for me? And so the next morning, I'm getting up, and uh, my, my, I set my Uber for 4.55 a.m., and I'm, I didn't get much sleep. I didn't sleep well, and, and my ride doesn't show up. Uh, until 20 minutes late. 
So I'm like, okay, I'm going to walk in peace, and, and I'm not going to be upset, and I'm going to be kind. And I get there, and, and I'm so glad that I, you know, just said, Lord, help me be kind, because I have the sweetest Uber driver. And I end up saying, so what's your name? And remember, I've asked for divine appointments. And she says, my name is Magdalena. And uh, if you're familiar with the, the story uh, of Jesus, then you know that he had these 12 disciples, these guy 12 disciples, but there's also these, these women that, that travel around with him. And one of his closest friends that was a woman was someone who was delivered uh, from seven demons, and her name was Mary Magdalene. So that's where the Spanish name Magdalena comes from. And so I'm like, oh, Lord, this is not going to be hard to ask her about Jesus. So I was like, do you, do you know what your name means? And so I asked her, do you have a uh, relationship with Jesus? And she immediately just starts apologizing. Well, I want to go to church, but every time I'm about to go to church, something bad happens to me, and I get stopped. And I was able to tell her, you know, it's not about you working your way to God. It's what he did for you. And I said, so let me ask you this question. Do you know when you die, will you go to heaven or hell? She goes, I don't know this. And so I get on the drive to the airport, you know, around five in the morning, I'm telling her this and I'm telling her the gospel and we get to the airport and she goes, thank you so much for that beautiful ride. And I said, Magdalena, it just gets better. Do you want to actually receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And she says, yes. And so we stop in front of the terminal and we pray and she gives her life to Jesus. And I'm like, Lord, that was, I didn't want to not sleep last night. I didn't want to give up 4.55. I didn't want to have a stranger driving me to the airport, but God, that was worth it. And so then I go and get on the flight. And um, I like smooth flights. And now I was re- rerouted, and, um, and especially I had, I had two, two legs of my flight, and I like when you're flying somewhere to like go halfway there and go then take another flight, but I like to be going in the right direction. But now I was rerouted, so I flew 700 miles past my destination, and then I have to fly back. And now my layover is like a couple hours. But anyway, on this flight coming in, all of a sudden we hit big turbulence, and, you know, I don't really enjoy turbulence. Um, I, I've dealt with some anxiety in life, and that turbulence used to really make me nervous, so we all of a sudden hit some real turbulence. But the woman next to me starts freaking out, like closing her eyes, going, ah, gripping the seats. And I, I, I go, ma'am, I happen to notice that, that you're, um, you're having a little hard time. And I, I have to talk to you because I'm actually writing a sermon right now about God helping us in our weakness. And could I just pray for you? And she's like, yes, please. And so I get to pray for her right then. And even the guy next to us just, you know, he's like, wow, thanks so much. And, and I get done with that. And while I'm praying, I just feel the presence of God. And I'm like, God, I don't like turbulence. I don't like that I lost my business class seat. I don't like that I'm flying past my destination. But God, if you can use me, this is really good. I get on my next flight. And this one, uh, we're stuck because we flew into an airport that always has weather that I'm like, God, I don't want to go there. But we get stuck sitting on the runway. The pilot gets on and goes, um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, and they usually say like, we have uh, two planes ahead of us. He goes, we have 18 planes uh, waiting. And so we're on the runway just sitting there, you know, and I'm like, huh, in a small plane. I'm like, huh. And the guy sits down next to me. And he's just cursing up a storm. I'm like, God, I asked for soft people. 
Uh, but but I, you know, um, I, what do you do? How do you soften people up? I said, you want some of my wasabi almonds? And he said, yes. And so like, I got to keep pouring almonds in his hand. And, and he's like, thank you so much. I didn't get to eat. And, you know, usually people take like three almonds. No, he took half my bag. And, but I, I said, hey, man, I, I love Jesus. And I, I pray for everyone I meet. How can I pray for you? And all of a sudden, this tough, hard guy just tells me he's in the middle of a cancer battle. And he says, you know, it's crazy uh, when you have cancer, how it makes you just reevaluate your whole life. And so then I get to tell him about my heart problem that almost killed me, how Jesus healed me, and, and how, how because of that, it woke me up to walk with him. And I'm getting to preach the gospel and just feeling the presence of God. And by the time, I, I mean, I was wiped out from the travel. But once again, I was coming off going like, Lord, I don't like early morning flights. I don't like not having a lot of leg room. I don't like turbulence. I don't like having an extra flight. But Lord, if you can use me, I'm willing to do it. I want to tell you, man, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. And, I, and let me just tell you, that was, that was a good day. A lot of times, I don't have days like that. And I just feel weak, and, I, and it doesn't go great. But here's what I know is that God is in the business of using people with weak flesh. And so I love this story about Peter. We're going to look at his life. If you want to turn with me in your Bible apps or your Bibles to Mark 14, we're going to highlight some of these different phrases. So make sure you're there with me. It's also going to be on the screen. It says this, you will all fall away, Jesus told them. We, we have a faith and we have a Savior that knew that his disciples in his biggest time of need when he was being betrayed, when he needed people the most, he knew that these disciples were going to fall away. This just blows my mind. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I'll never disown you. And all the others said the same. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be so deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to him, stay here and keep watch. And going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed it that if it's possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything's possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And we're seeing this moment where Jesus is in his biggest time of need and he's taking his three main guys and said, guys, Jesus, just be with me. Like, I need you right now. And would you watch and would you pray? Jesus comes back and they're totally sleeping. And he says, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. These last two years, I've been studying the life of Peter. I, I really hadn't ever related to, to, to Peter before, but I had this experience. We went on our sabbatical now 
two summers ago, and man, I was tired. I was wiped out. I was wanting refreshment. The door opened up for us to go to Israel on on a tour, and and so we end up going in the middle of this tour out on a boat, and it was a boat into the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Now, just for you to understand, most of the boats on the Sea of Galilee, you go out and they kind of putt around, and they they tell you different sights. But this one boat, there's one boat called the worship boat. And man, if you go to Israel, get on the worship boat because the worship boat doesn't go around saying sights. The captain goes out in the middle and then he cranks up the worship music and leads you in worship. And man, I believe in worship. And so we're worshiping out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and I just start having this experience. And it's like kind of a God speaking to me, kind of a vision, and God starts speaking, Robert, you're like Peter. But it wasn't like, you're like Peter, because you're so bold. I knew, because I felt so tired and so weak that he was speaking to me, Robert, you're like Peter, because I'm calling you out. And it, it was like I was having this, this experience where, where in my mind's eye, I was seeing Jesus out on the lake, and he was saying, come and walk to me on the water, which is impossible, by the way, in the midst of the storm. And, and, and then he starts speaking to me about this calling that he's, that he's given me and, and, the, and this church, which is to plant 3,000 churches. Now, I just got to explain to you, in the first 10 years of All People's Church, we're 13 years old, in the first 10 years, we planted five churches. So to plant 3,000 churches, I've done the math, I figured out it's only going to take us 600 years <laughs> at the pace we're going. Um, and so he's calling me out and he's reawakening this calling. I'm like, God, it took everything just to plant these five little churches. It's totally impossible. Like I can't give anymore. I can't do anymore. And then God's just saying, of course it's impossible with man. It's impossible. But what's impossible with man is possible with God. Step out on the water, son. Now, I wish I could tell you, then I stepped out on the water and I walked. No, it was just like a prayer experience. (laughs) But he kept speaking to me, you're like Peter, and I understood at that time, you know, Peter had a willing spirit, but he had weak flesh. And the first thing we see here is that in Jesus's time of need, he comes back, and what's Peter doing? Peter's asleep. Not just once, but he keeps coming back and Peter keeps being asleep. And that's what I know is we're in this 40-day season of what we're calling growth and engagement is that some of you are going, yeah, I took this step and I took this step and you're getting so excited. But others are just going, I'm just so weak. I can't, I, I didn't even show up. I couldn't even sign up for a, a growth group or man, my marriage is in absolute crisis or my kids are in rebellion or I just, I'm still struggling with this addiction. And so I guess I'm just going to be one of those people that doesn't make it, that doesn't really walk with God. And I'll I want to say that Jesus is the Lord and Savior who calls the weak and empowers them. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Matthew 26, 40 through 43. 
Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he found them again sleeping because their eyes were weary. I mean, some of you were like, yeah, I believe that Jesus gave me grace, but I keep messing up. I keep letting him down. I want to tell you today, as we look at the flesh is weak, I want to tell you the first category of the flesh is weak is weakness of the body. Weakness of the body. I talked to many during this, this COVID pandemic, and they were just saying, man, I just so tired. I was just so wiped out having, having to live in, in, in the constant chaos, never knowing what we're going to do next, all the transitions. And man, I just, I, 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 I wish, I, I don't know why, but I just, I didn't get my time with the Lord. Or, or man, we just fell out of the habit of going to church. Or yeah, I just stopped meeting in community. Or I didn't, I didn't uh, have accountability or, or discipleship. And, and man, my, my, my flesh was just so week or maybe you fell back into an old habit or an addiction or, or, or your sensuality started taking over. And, and, and man, that is, that is what I find. When, when I first started trying to walk with Jesus as a late teen and early 20-something, I, I wanted to walk with him so bad. Like my spirit was willing, but I just kept falling into old flesh patterns and I got so frustrated. In fact, I, I, I just was so condemned because I was like, why can't I walk free? Here's what scripture says. Matthew 5, 3. I love this in the message version. It says, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. You know, so many times we're like, I got saved. Why, can't, why didn't God just immediately take away this problem? Like, why didn't he just immediately change me? And I, and I find typically when someone gets saved, something like there are parts of you that just totally change, just like this. But then there are other parts that you're like, why can't I beat this? Why this weakness? Let me tell you why the Lord leaves weakness is so that we will know our need for him. And so that we can be desperate and call out to him. I just remember, man, I was just, I was just dealing with sexual sin and I couldn't get free as a young man. And so I just called out. I mean, I just remember being up at night just calling out to God like, I can't do it. I'm not strong enough. You gotta do something supernatural. And I cried out and cried out and cried out. And boom, first time I ever saw the power of God is when he started delivering me from it. You see, the Bible says this in Romans 8, 11, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Don't despise your weakness. Let your weakness be a springboard, a catapult into the presence of God. I've had people say like, man, you, you've memorized so many scriptures. And I've told them, you know why? Because I had such a battle in here that I was desperate for something to cleanse my mind. Your weakness can be the very catapult into the presence of God. The scripture says this in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, I will boast in my weakness, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Jesus loves meeting and helping weak people. Don't despise your weakness. Find Jesus in it. Ask him to help you in it. He loves coming. I, I, I love it. I love it when my kids, 
were, 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 were tired and to say, Daddy, will you hold me? Will you carry me? Carry me? I didn't expect them as little babies to be able to run a marathon. God loves it when you just surrender and say, I just, you just got to hold me. You just got to carry me through this, Lord. John 18, we're just jumping through the Gospels and studying the same story of Peter. So they're in the garden, and, and, and Jesus is praying, and so then they get up, and when he gets up, all of a sudden, Judas, his disciple that betrayed him, and these religious leaders, and these guards are coming. So it says, now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place, because Jesus had often met there with his disciples, so Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Verse 10, then Simon Peter, so here's Peter again, He's already been asleep numerous times, but now watch what he does. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, interesting, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? This is crazy. For three years, Peter's been Jesus' main dude for three years. He sat under Jesus' teachings where Jesus is like, love your enemy. When someone strikes you, turn the other cheek. If someone comes and asks you for a coat, give them, give them, give them your shirt too. He's watched Jesus. He's watched Jesus get down and wrap up kids. He's watched the Pharisees just tear, tear into him and Jesus just take it. He's watched people surround a woman caught in adultery and he defended. I mean, he has seen love incarnate and he has been through so many teachings over and over and over again to see that we bless those who curse us and we love our enemies. And so what does Peter do in this crisis? He pulls out a sword and he thinks he's Thor. You're like, Peter. And, and, and then he doesn't, he's not just like warning, like, hey, step back. You know, he's, it's not just that. No, he takes it. And he's like, Aah! his anger overwhelms him. And, and, and I guarantee you, he's a fisherman. He's not a ninja. I guarantee you, he didn't mean to just precisely slice off that guy's ear. Right? I am sure he was just going for his head, but he's a fisherman, so he's like, oh, you know what? This is one of Jesus' disciples trying to kill someone. I mean, if one of my staff did that, I would not be like, it is okay. To put that away. Right? No, right? Uh, this, is, this is the second category of the flesh is weak. I call this the weakness of the emotions. How many times have we tried to follow Jesus, but our emotions get the best of us? I mean, I have often thought, man, I would be a great dad if my kids weren't here with me. You know, I've, I've so often thought that. I'm like, man, I am such a loving pastor until people come up. And I start, I start having to deal with people's problems, right? I, how many times have we just totally ruined our Christian witness because of our anger? or because uh, of our anxiety, or because of our fear, or because of our pain, and our emotions get the best of us, and all of a sudden, we're acting out of control. We're doing these rash, these emotions or actions or, or ruining our witness at, at, at school or at work or in our neighborhood. Weakness 
of emotions. Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Someone needs to see this today, that that Jesus can actually come and bring healing in the midst of your mess. I mean, that's how good Jesus is, is that he, he can clean up your mess. Some of you think, you know, by my anger, by my harshness, by my rage, by my out-of-control emotions, I've, I've, I've messed up things that I can never go back. Like, I have disqualified myself. And you gotta see right here that Jesus comes and heals this man. Jesus comes and fixes the problem that Peter created. Can I just say that again? Jesus comes and fixes the That is how gracious the Lord is. He fixes problems that you made. It's unbelievable. But here is Peter's worst failing. I mean, this is all just happening in a few hours, folks. This is Jesus' main guy. Like, this really encourages me. Now, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. So imagine this. Peter, Jesus gets taken away. He's arrested. Everyone scatters. So, so Peter's like, okay, I've got to follow I've got to follow Jesus and see what happens. So he's sitting there, and the other gospels say that they're around this fire, and he's like out in the courtyard warming himself while Jesus goes on trial. And it says, a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. Like he just denied that he was Jesus' friend. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. I love how he gets another chance. He gets another chance to stand for Jesus. This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. And it says he denied it again with an oath, with an oath for crying out loud. I don't know how you take an oath right there, but I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, so this is a third time, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Listen to this. Then he began to call down curses. This is a Christian, right? This is like Jesus made man. He is calling down curses, and he swore to them. I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. This third category of the flesh is weak is weakness of resolve. Okay, or, or I would also call this weakness of commitment, weakness of purpose. Guys, th- this was Peter's main deal. Like he had left being a fisherman to be a disciple. And in one moment of fear, in one moment of self-preservation, he punts his whole calling. He, he's like, not only does he not like do what a disciple should do, he is saying, I don't even know Jesus. And then, he, this is what we call the spiral of sin. The first time he's like, no, I don't know him. The next time he takes an oath, the next time he is calling down curses. Like, What? The heck is going on? This is, this is how we get, right? We, we walk into sin, and, and instead of jumping out, we just get spiral, spiral, until we are out of control. 
Like how many people have I talked to that, they've, they, that they have so gotten out of control that no one even knows they're a Christian at work because they're ashamed to be known they're a Christian because their behavior is so bad. That people don't even know that you're a follower of Jesus in your neighborhood because how they're hearing you yelling at your, at your wife or your children or, or, or your friend group doesn't know you're a Christian because you've been out partying with them. And so you are just spiraling totally out of control. But you gotta catch this next thing. It says this, he went outside and wept bitterly. So what do you do when your flesh is weak? What do you do when you just blown it? which all of us do, by the way. Let me just point to these first two words. He went outside. You know, one of the reasons that we just stay in a, a pattern of sin or we don't ever get free is just we just keep going. We keep moving. We stay busy. We get in the car. We crank on, on, the, on the music. We're, we're walking around. We're just listening to the next podcast. We're, we're just going to the next activity. We're just numbing our pain with TV and, and, and just surfing the web. And, and we never stop. No, there's a time when you are in the midst of your failing where you just got to get outside. You just got to leave. I, I, I talked to this awesome couple last week, and, and, and they had said how the, they were living with their, their friends, and then their friends were just going and, and partying, and they said, we just realized we had to get out of that. So we moved ourselves out, and they, they were beaming as they talked to me. They were like, it, and it's changed. It's like, we feel so free. It's just so amazing. Sometimes you just got to remove yourself from the sinful situation. Right? Some, some people, man, your dating relationship, it's, it's just, it's keeping you in sin. You're, you can't get free. I had one of those relationships when I was a young man where I just had to, to break it off because I so needed to jump out to get free. Some of you, man, you're, you're in a job that's actually immoral work or it's, it's, so, it's so toxic that you just gotta, you gotta get out. Some of you, got, you've gotta remove yourself from this friendship group that's bringing you down. You don't need to hate the people. You love the people, but you gotta get out of it. But here's another thing. You also, this next part, it says, and wept bitterly. There's this lie in American Christianity that we should just always be happy and always be cheerful. And so we never actually get real with grieving our sin. And you know, some of us, the, the best thing you could do today is to go home and get an alone time, get some alone time and, and actually grieve over your sin. Man, I had to do that. I had to just to let myself get off the, that just constant treadmill and just be broken over how I had fallen short. And, and it's not even just sin, it's pain. So much of, of life, there's so many painful experiences, but we've just been taught, put on a happy face, so we never actually go away and grieve. And if you wanna be like Jesus, the Bible says Jesus wept. He was real with his emotions. You know, the, the, the Bible talks about, blessed are you, when you mourn. Why? Because that's where Jesus can meet you. And there's a part about getting real with our pain, with our failings, with our grieving that Jesus can meet us in. And so here you have Peter, the big burly fisherman, the sword-wielding Thor character going out and just weeping. Jesus would meet him. So we move on to John chapter 21. 
And um, it says, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So here's what's happened. Jesus has died on the cross now. He's, rose from the, he's risen from the dead. And man, the disciples were excited. But, but even in the midst of that, you can just see Peter feels like a failure. He's like, I'm the one who fell asleep all these different times. Then I'm the one who just acted like a crazy man and cut off someone's ear. And then I'm the one who denied him three times and, and I'm weeping bitterly. And so yes, it's so good that Jesus raised from the dead. I mean, like that is so awesome. But like, but I've blown my life. And so most biblical scholars believe that when he said, I'm going out fishing, he hadn't, he hadn't been doing that for years. Because remember, Jesus met him and said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And so he was a disciple. He was a kingdom of God advancer. But now what we see is him going back to his old life. And I want to say that so many of us do that. We just believe we failed so many times that you're like, yes, Jesus will forgive me. And yes, he'll probably even love me because like, that's his job and that's what he does. But man, I'll never, I'll, I'll never actually be able to be someone that he uses. Like, here's what I know when I sit and stand before a, a group of Christians. Is many of you, you've had a calling. He's called you to do something. But because of your sin, because of your failing, you believe you're disqualified from ever seeing him do that amazing thing through you because you've fallen short. And so you've gone back to your old life. I mean, yeah, you're a Christian, but you're not even thinking you're gonna be used by him. But watch this. It says this. So they went and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, no. They answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. Let me just talk to you about how God meets us in our weakness of flesh. The first thing he does is he comes to us in the midst of our failure. He comes to us in the midst of our failure. Peter hadn't done all these things to make it right, and Jesus was already pursuing him. And I was just looking at that this week and I was thinking, wait, wasn't there another miraculous catch of fish? Like for some reason, I haven't heard a sermon or put it together like these two miraculous catches of fish. And all of a sudden I'm just realizing, okay, you remember when Jesus really revealed himself to Peter first time, Peter's out in the boat. He says, cast your net down after a whole night of fishing. They haven't caught anything. He casts his net down. He has a miraculous catch of fish and Peter falls down and says, away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. And he realizes Jesus is Lord and you can do anything. But he does it again. Why does he do it again? Because he's showing Peter, I don't show up in your life and do miracles because of how good you are. You've totally blown it but I'm still the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm still your savior who shows up in your life in the midst of your brokenness and still can do miracles. 
And you got to catch what Peter does, because this is how I want to be in life. In the midst of my pain and brokenness, he sees him, he realizes it's him, and he's like, I can't wait for this boat to turn around. I, I, I'm, if, if I can run, I'm going to run. If I can swim, and he just dives in. He, he, like, he just doesn't give a second thought. He just dives in and starts swimming as fast as he can. I want to tell you, that's the kind of guy I want to be. I want to be a person who just dives in and swims after Jesus. I want to run. If I can't run, I'm going to walk. If I have a limp, I'm going to hop. If I can't hop, I'm going to fall towards Jesus. But when he shows up, I want to run after him, don't you? It says this, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Why is it so explicit about what they saw? Because if you remember, you study the other gospel accounts, it was at a fire where Peter denied Jesus. So how does he come back to heal him? At a fire. Why? Because how does Jesus meet us in our weakness? Point two, he takes us back to our place of failure or pain to heal us. So many Christians, we're living with these pains from the past, things that have been done to us, our failures, our weaknesses. That's why we have Freedom Day. I want to encourage you. I want to implore you, come to our Freedom Day. It's at that day where we go through forgiveness. We go through repenting of our sins. We, we go back and we heal the pains of the past. We help people get free from demonic oppression and the voices that, that often are attacking people. We help them to walk through getting baptized afresh in the Holy Spirit. Jesus loves to meet us in our pain. And I meet far too many Christians who think that they're relegated to a life of suffering. And yes, there are, are, are challenges in this life, but it's amazing how God gets in the craziest pains, the abuses and, 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 and the, the horrific things that have happened and the ways that we fail. And he takes us back and said, so that's what he's doing with Peter. He said, you failed me in a fire, but I'm here to fellowship with you at this fire. And he doesn't just do that. He has him sit down. And he communes with him. Some of you go, yeah, I think he'd forgive me, but I don't think he actually wants to be with me. No, he actually sits Peter down, the one who denied him three times, and says, come, I'm gonna feed you here. Let's finish with this. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to him, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Let's keep reading. Verse 16, Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to him and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he raised them from the dead when they'd finished eating. Simon says to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs again, Jesus said. Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. This is the third way Jesus comes to us in our weakness. We think, man, you, you, 
I've blown it too far. And he goes, no, I'm coming and meeting you in the midst of your failure. And then we think, okay, you met me in the midst of my failure, but I'm going to always feel like a failure. And he goes, no, I'm going to take you to that place of failure and pain, and I'm going to restore you there. And you're thinking, oh, this is good. But this next part, this is amazing. This is hard to wrap our minds around because this is like immediate. This isn't years of of change and years of of working ourselves up and, and, and getting to a better place. Jesus reinstates us in our service of him. Like some of you are like, man, I, I've just blown it so, so I, could, I could never serve. I, 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 could, I could never help others. I could never be the representative of Jesus at my workplace. I could never be the bold witness in my school. I could never be known in my family as a Christian because in my family I'm known as a failure. And Jesus says, if you love me, then just start taking care of other people immediately because when you do that, I'm gonna be with you. I am reinstating you today. I'm reinstating you immediately. I am reinstating you and I'm redeploying you. And as you do that, you're gonna find the fullness of joy. You're gonna find the abundant life that I've called you to. If you haven't gotten it by now, Jesus is way more gracious and way more forgiving, and way more loving than we can even wrap our minds around. And today is a day for many to come back to him, to pick up those old callings, and to understand that he's not holding you at an arm's length, but he's drawing you near and saying, yeah, I'm gonna use you in your weakness. Why don't we stand up?